after further review as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. <laughs> he is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Hola. Welcome back to 88.3 WXUT's After Further Review. Got on the phone line, David, the man of God. Harris, didn't talk to him last week as we were able to talk to Darren Cohn, the coach, and Brian Bucky. But now we got him on as we are dealing with the COVID and the isolation quarantines here. Uh, but we talk a little bit of NFL football. That seems like that's the only thing that's really going on there's a few other things you know as well but you sometimes you just get tired of watching replays of stuff and david what have you been doing since the quarantine has been been put in place basically uh so basically just kind of what everyone else has been doing watching replays of old games kind of reliving some of those memories seeing sporting events that i wasn't around to see so a lot of the old school boxing matches that kind of the older generations, like, this is what you need to watch if you really want to understand, you know, the fundamentals, the greats of the games. And then watching more recent sporting events, kind of, so yeah, just kind of catching up. And there's not really any real sports, so, and I'm not really into esports. It's kind of a whole nother tangent I can go down. So yeah, just kind of catching up on the old favorites. So you don't like basically the NBA players playing on on uh, EA Sports <laughs> NBA was NBA I mean, 2020. <laughs> it is it is kind of boring. It's 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 not very entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I can, I mean, we're part of that generation, like age wise, to where like video games is kind of like the thing, and something like you think of, like players that are within the first five or six years within the league, they're in their early to mid twenties. So they grew up gaming. So this was what they just did kind of when they weren't playing basketball, which was like, I don't know what time that was, but so like they're used to that. But yeah, some of the rivalries, but you can kind of see it's kind of a niche market. Yeah, kind it, of it, it is. It, it is. You're, you're totally right that it, it, it is. A, it's kind of a niche market. It is for the younger crowd. I think the problem with it is, is that there's no personalities. I mean, the, the players aren't bad, and they're doing the gaming. I think I'll put it to you this way. I mean, I have a few friends and family members that are in the gaming, and what makes it entertaining really isn't watching the actual game. It's the headset chatter and the, and the trash talking that goes on with it. That's what makes it like really entertaining. And I really think ESPN probably thought that was going to happen, and it pretty much didn't. Yeah, and so, like, when you're thinking about, like, so Kevin Durant, like, we know that he does, you know, his thing is basically anything that anyone that wants to troll on social media, you know, he does that quick things. But, like, gaming, did we really get much of that? And not really. And then some of the matchups weren't, like, as, like, I don't want to say, like, hyped up for gaming feud and beef, but, like, you think of, like, a guy like Devin Booker. You know, or say a guy like Russell Westbrook, who we know loves talking trash. Mm-hmm. We know if he was on the sticks, he would be talking similar to what he does on the court, because right. that's probably how he grew up playing. Right. Or you have like guys like Devin Booker, who we know are gamers, guys like Kyrie Irving, who we know are gamers, kind of in a sense. Even Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, we've seen them do other things, joining on chats. So it was like a good idea. It's something to get some real life you know, I guess kind of virtual basketball and we got a chance to see that, but yeah, it's not, the, it's not the real thing. Yeah. It's, it's not the same. Plus I would have liked it. Would have liked it if they were like forced to play like either as like the team they originally got drafted from in terms of like Trey young or like, well, Trey young would have been, you know, like some of those transactional, some just kind of wonky. Like if you want to do this, like make it, a little wrench in there like have kevin durant play as the old school supersonics 
you know that, that could be i don't know but it it, it is kind of interesting but then you wanted to go on the nfl front and uh i guess david you know just go go ahead with your uh nfl news and notes all right so most of the transactions that we've seen so far have been about trades moves in preparation for the draft that is within two weeks of this posting and so i just wanted to do a quick rundown of team a quick winners and losers segments and then Bring it locally to our fan favorites. Obviously, the big winner for me is Arizona. I mean, you get DeAndre Hopkins by basically like chain snatching Houston, which we'll get to in just a few seconds. But arguably getting the best wide receiver in the league for a running back who is both injury prone and, as we saw last season, undrafted rookie running backs are out there. Like running backs, and we've talked about this on the show before. You can find a running back for cheap, like dirt cheap, and then run them into the ground for, like, once that rookie deal is over, and then just kind of resettle. So, and David Johnson, I don't want to say his past is prime, but injury prone, you kind of expected. So they got a steal. And then, of course, our one big loser, Houston. Recently, we just found out a couple of days ago that they're trading for Brandon Cooks and in a late round draft, uh, 2021 draft pick in exchange for their second round draft pick this year. A lot of people, myself included, are like, like you just got rid of arguably the best wide receiver who was a one tall and could catch things. And now you're bringing in a wide receiver who is both injury prone. He's a speedster, but you already have speedsters on your roster. So now you're just basically doing this small, I don't want to say slot receive, slot fast wide receiver thing, but like you could use that second rounder for a wide receiver. There's a lot of tall wide receivers coming out in the draft. And second round, maybe you get a guy that, you know, you know, mid to late second rounders, there's a diamond in the rough, a guy that could have gotten late first round, early second that falls to you. What if someone wants to trade up? Well, can we just admit that O'Brien didn't really like Hopkins? There was something there that they just didn't really get along for him to basically trade him to the Cardinals and then do a future deal where you're kind of replacing him with the same player, but he's more or less a poor man's version of him. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. No, and yeah, there's there's conversations and kind of the things like after trade, it's kind of the beef kind of some of the off the field issues with Hopkins but I mean at the same time if I was a Houston Texans player kind of one of the franchise or one of the franchise players and I mean we can go through the history there's only been you know a handful and ironically two of the best players were wide receivers in the franchise's you know small brief history mm-hmm. but yeah like at some point you got and I hate to make this comparison, but it's kind of the similar nature to kind of AB a- when he was in Pittsburgh. But, like, not so much coach, because, I mean, ownership and management was behind him. Or rather, rather even maybe Oakland, I would say. Mm-hmm. Kind of with Gruden and Mayock and that group. Whereas, like, you wanted the on-field production, but the off-the-field stuff, there was kind of too much kind of go- going back and forth. And ultimately, you have to go. But if I'm a player in that locker room, like our Super Bowl window is closed. Like there's, it's not happening. Like you had like a long shot. I mean, people were making jokes that, you know, if you get into a shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs, you're bound to lose anyways. But like they were up 24 to 3 on the eventual Super Bowl champions in the division round. Like, like let's not forget that this Houston team was good with all the hoopla and back and forth between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins. Like, on the field, everyone knew Watson to Hopkins, Watson to Hopkins. That's un- that was an unstoppable tandem, and now you're trying to start from scratch. Like, I like Will Fuller, but can he really be your number one? Are you going to rely on Kenny Stills to be your number one? Like, are you going to rely on Brandon Cooks, who, again, has injury problems? Like, it's just kind of like you're, you know, you're cutting off your face, cutting off your nose to spike your face. It's like, 
Like I, I don't know if if I was a Houston Texas fan, and people in Houston are legitimately you know ticked off because they're like, well, yeah, because for one, Deshaun Watson, you got to admit, is a once in a lifetime quarterback. You got to protect him, and they're not doing anything to protect him. At least maybe a playmaker. I mean, he's out there running for his life, and then you're taking away weapons from him. It, it, it's it's a lot of things that just don't make sense. And, I mean, and, and some people are saying, you know, this is typical Houston where they run guys in the ground. You know, they did it to Earl Campbell. I mean, even though the Texans aren't part of that oiler um, regime, but Warren Moon, I mean, you name a few. I mean, let's think about it. That's that just stuff that, is, that has happened in the past. Yeah, and even guys like star, once-in-a-lifetime players like Arian Foster. Like right. He was a star running back, and then, you know, situations. But, yeah, it just goes to show, like, ever since Bill O'Brien has been on this power trip, and instead of, you know, getting in a GM in there, they basically gave the job to Bill O'Brien. We've seen, like, some of his production and his moves are like, dude, what are you doing to this franchise? Like I said, I, I think I understand why the coach probably wants to be the GM because you're coaching the team and, certain philosophies that you have or where you want to see the team go you want to fit those pieces in there but i think sometimes it comes down to also to a matter of guys like o'brien probably aren't going to be the best guys to be a gm slash coach because then he starts to let personal feelings get in the way where if he does have something against the player he's just going to get rid of them so some for some organizations you know it's best that the gm and the coach are kind of separate because then you got the guy that's actually in the front office that's really evaluating the talent, and you know there's no personal feelings involved. Now, obviously, sometimes it doesn't work always the same because you got one coach that has an ideal, and the GM has a different ideal how they want to run the team, and then that becomes the conflict. So you you, you got to find that that good balance. But I think it, it gets real touchy situation when the coach is the GM as well. And and I think that's what's kind of going on here. Um, you know, he got. I think he had something personal with Hopkins, and it was like, well, I'll just get rid of him, and I'll find someone else to replace him. And now it's just stuff just doesn't just doesn't make sense. And really think about it. And, and I thought about this too in pro sports. Your career is very short, and you know Deshaun Watson. What has he been three or four um, years in the in the league? Yeah. So, like it's, in the in, you know, think about it. You know, average player lasts three to four years in the NFL, especially if he's running for his life and getting beat up. So you've already wasted all that time with him. I mean, now some guys you can get could be like Brady for twenty years, but then again, though Brady always had a really good line, except that one year that he tore his ACL. It's only on the time he's really n- not really been involved with the Patriots. So, or now he's with the Buccaneers. So. Bill O'Brien, it, it, the question now starts to become: How long do you give him before you kind of let him go? Because, like I said, JJ Watt, you, you know, he's starting to break apart. Deshaun Watson, you know, a few more hits or one good lick, he's probably going to be out. So, how long do you stay with this dude until you say, you know what, we need to get someone in here that's really focused on winning, doesn't have any grudges? You only have a short window to win, and then think about it, Kansas City. Looks like they're setting themselves up to, you know, go with the dynasty. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, and you think about a guy like Watson, even kind of in the playoffs, like he's like he's taking some licks and he's gotten into the concussion protocol. So that's a whole nother level where you have to deal with your quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I and I think for me, kind of like if if Bill O'Brien was a successful coach, then no one will have a problem with it because he would have a track record. Mm-hmm. But Bill O'Brien has been eight and eight, seven and nine. He's been that hamster wheel coat, mm-hmm. and now you're giving him more power, more control to just kind of continue the hamster wheel. Like this is the glory years of the Houston Texans franchise. Right. Like it's not like he's Bill Belichick. It's not like I guess Dallas is a little different because Jerry Jones is like all the executive positions. It's not even like Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. where you have a little bit like you have either a man ownership. That is trying to test a true or proven coach, a proven winner. Right. Like in Houston, man, ownership is like, what the heck is going on? Your coach is, you know, average, and he thinks he's the greatest thing to slice bread. And yeah, and even trying to draft kind of linemen, it didn't really work out. I mean, it worked out kind of a little bit with Laramie Tunsil, but still, there are still some issues. But yeah, so it's just a 
if I'm a Houston Texans fan, I mean, I would say at least there's Texas Longhorns football, but that's that's not really good. Like you have Houston Cougars football. It's your highlight in terms of football in the city of Houston right now. Yeah, that is true, and it, and it's kind of kind of faded. I mean, Houston a couple years ago, man, they were really killing. Yeah, so it's it's just a bad bad situation. And speaking of which, as we transition to our local teams, mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears at the quarterback situation. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> and so brought in Nick Foles to kind of I guess be this mentor, kind of motivate Mitchell Trubisky. Some people are saying it's still Trubisky's job to lose. And, I mean, to be fair, it is because Matt Nagy put his entire career and banked his entire career on that draft where he traded up to get Mr. Trubisky at number two overall. And so he literally has to go through all of the growing pains, fight, fire, and watch Mr. Trubisky throw the ball 10 yards away from his receivers. <laughs> And well, I, if I'm I, a Bears fan, I'm like, I, but, but we've, I, we've had this conversation before, though, David. He's not the guy. I mean, we, <laughs> we've said this on this show. I've told you he wasn't the guy since they ended he got up drafted. Well, I gave him a chance when he got drafted. I, you know, I, I gave him a legit chance. You know, um, but after that that Packers Bears game when they had Mac, you know, Khalil Mack game in there and had a big game and then. Aaron Rodgers ended up getting injured. That was the game for the taking. That was pretty much a momentum game for the Bears to take control of the NFC North. Now, they ended up winning the division that year, but you could kind of tell that it was on Sunday Night Football as that theme comes through. Trubisky wasn't the guy. I mean, he's 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 a good game-managing quarterback, if that, but he's not on that level to where the Bears picked him to be a franchise quarterback you you moved up a spot to get this kid for one gave up a lot and then look who you didn't draft you didn't draft Deshaun Watson you didn't Patrick Mahomes who's gotten an MVP gotten a Super Bowl and you've got Mitch Trubisky and and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better and I think they just they fell in love I, I think Pace Sometimes you try to overthink the room or analysis by paral- or paralysis by analysis is what they call it. And I, and I really think that's what happened with the Bears. They tried to overthink the room. They thought, oh, we'll, we'll get this guy and we'll be the smartest guy in the room. And basically, you got an egg on your face. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, who, it was another quarterback, too, in that draft that has been doing pretty good. Mahomes, Watson, and who else? Um... That were picked after him. Yeah, I'm like, oh, who is that quarterback? But I mean, when I can, I can, I actually can look it up because I think they were drafted three years ago, so it'd be the 2017 uh, draft. I think NFL draft. I mean, it just, it, it just, to me, you know, it just, it is what it is, and I, and I hate to say it, um. Miles Garrett was first. Mitchell Trubisky was second. Um, obviously, obviously, Solomon Thomas was third. You know, the Bears and San Francisco flipped. Um, but then, you, you know, you look at it where um, Patrick Mahomes was 10th, believe it or not. I mean, now, and I'm just looking at the quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson was 12th. Local Deshaun Kaiser was in the second 52. round. Yeah, in the second round. Um, but it, it just it, you just look at it. I like to me those those are only two quarterbacks that were picked actually after him in the first round was uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And really, if Deshaun Watson actually had a pretty decent team, you don't even tell him where he could be sending them. But the thing is, is that Trubisky's just not the guy. So they had to bring a guy in to push him, and they're bringing in Nick Foles. Now, this is a hint hint to Trubisky. I think this is the almost the end of the road. Because Nick Foles, obviously, isn't going to come in and just take over. I mean, I could see if they brought in a Cam Newton or a Jameis Winston, when it's like, well, Trubisky, you're done. Because Nick Foles, safe pick. If Trubisky outplays him in camp, he keeps him on the bench. If Trubisky plays bad, 
to bring Foles in. And then Foles is a winner, but he's also going to be a veteran that's going to try to basically know his role as I'm going to be the backup and I'm going to try to mentor this guy. And then if they need me, I'm going to play well. Whereas Cam Newton and Jameis Winston are coming in. It's like, well, screw this guy. I'm coming in here to salvage, salvage my career. I'm trying to be back on Hall of Fame status. So the Bears brought in Nick Foles, which is a good thing to push Trubisky and hopefully see if he responds. You know, it's kind of like a win-win. If Trubisky does well and responds, well, okay, we look good for picking him. If they, if he, if he doesn't work out, well, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna pay for it, and they're gonna have Nick Foles. But Nick Foles, you know, can still win ball games. Yeah, and that's a that's a million dollar question you have. That's veteran Super Bowl is kind of he said Nick Foles is basically coming and taking a similar role to what he did in Jacksonville with. Um, I guess Blaine Gabbard at the time, but then Gardner Minshew, and even in Philadelphia when it was yeah, him and it was him and Wentz. I mean, if you really think yeah. about it, when it was him and Wentz, he he, he kind of was taking that role. Now, obviously, we know how the story goes. Wentz gets hurt and he ends up being a Super Bowl MVP quarterback. But that's what the Bears are doing. But like I said, I I really think they they probably looked it over and said, you know what, we're not high enough in the draft to, to draft a quarterback. Um, if you're not getting Burrow, who can you get? Tua is going to be injury prone, I think. So it's 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 really you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's not something out there that can be better quality than Trubisky overall in this draft. Where it's like, okay, that's a franchise guy, so you you got to go pick up the veteran for him. But like I said, I, I think Bears fans, some Bears fans get upset with me when I tell them Trubisky's not the guy. I mean, I know you're, 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 you're they're trying to be thirsty to find someone, but if if you want to start, and the division's getting harder, if you want to win, hey, I would do a trade for Matt Stafford. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, Trubisky is, is very limited, and he's not a guy that's going to be feared. Like, Rodgers and Breeze are feared when they have the ball in the fourth quarter. Ain't nobody fearing Trubisky. Yeah, and that kind of brings up a million-dollar question. So the 2021 draft, mm-hmm. do the Chicago Bears tank for Trevor Lawrence? Mm. <laughs> well, there's no, well, there's no guarantee. Let's say you you do tank for him. What if he gets injured? Which which begs a question. Like, do you? Do you think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback? Mm-hmm. I mean, because this is a similar situation to a Tua. Mm-hmm. Like, the Dolphins were like, no matter what, we're getting Tua. Going, like, everyone knows it. We're putting it out in the open. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking if the Bears look at this Mitchell Trubisky and finally admit that, hey, maybe it's just not working. Well, Everyone's basically said since that freshman national championship game, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the next Tom Brady, the next Manning, you know, 15, 20 years. He's that quote-unquote prototypical quarterback yeah but you can say that but then they said that about jamarcus russell i mean i mean the bears thought that about mitchell trubisky i mean you could tank and it it, it, anything could happen you got to play for the now um obviously see this is where where happens because then you get mistrust between management and the players you know what i'm saying you you obviously lost I, i really think that you know they they're going to have a defense that's going to make them competitive. So either way you look at it, you, the Bears are probably going to be 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 7-9, and nine, just because they have that stout defense. So it'll keep them in the games. Um, like I said, it, you just don't know what's going to happen. You, we could be talking about Trevor Lawrence, and then some other guy can pop out of nowhere and be you know something good. Like look at Joe Burrow. Last year at this point, were we even talking about Joe Burrow being a number one draft pick in the draft? Nope. Exactly. So you you just don't know what's going to exactly happen. So you got to play for the now. I mean, the only thing that I, I hope that the Bears realize that Trubisky's not the guy. Well, hopefully they realize that. That's that's one. Two, though, let's face it. People have egos. They're not going to give up on Trubisky just yet. You know, they're going to have to justify them moving up that one slot over the trade with San Francisco to move up and get him. 
to say that, you know, we brought in the coach, we're doing this and that, and, and, and you just had to give him time so we can show him that he's the guy. They're going to try to prove all they can and exhaust all their resources to prove that they were right because nobody wants to be wrong with the, with the draft picks. But I think sometimes, you know, in sports and in life, you're just going to have to just chalk up your losses and just, you know, say, okay, it wasn't a good pick, it wasn't a good fit, and and move on. Um, if they were going to tank for Lawrence, they wouldn't assign Foles. They would have just let Trubisky play. Yeah. And if Trubisky was awful, you, you, you're in the, the pack for, I guess, Trevor Lawrence or whatever next quarterback that is. You might have to work out a deal because, like I said, that defense is going to keep them competitive. So, um, but yeah, if, if they really were tanking for uh, Trevor Lawrence, they wouldn't have not signed Foles. I don't think so. So you don't think it would be a situation similar to with Arizona where they had both Rosen and then obviously it's a different situation with new coach and new kind of philosophy and the whole I'm taking Kyler Murray number one regardless. So kind of of what they have in terms of trade bait. Yeah, I, I I think well, if Trubisky does bad, then he he ain't, he ain't tradable. I mean, that that just is the the, the way it is. Um, and still, people will be leery about Trubisky anyway. He's had he doesn't haven't had really good years, and then he has a one good year next year. Now there might be some teams that'd be suckers to do that, but I don't think it, if it's a draft with Trevor Lawrence and maybe one of the quarterback that emerges that could be a franchise quarterback, those top teams ain't trading you to for Trubisky. So then that puts you in a spot where you could trade down or something. But, I mean, like I said, it, 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 it it's just the fact that the, the Bears are just going to have to eat it. Either either this is the year Trubisky proves that he can actually play in the league or he can't. If he can't, the Bears are going to have to come to uh, the realization that you're going to have to eat the pick and you just made a bad pick. I, I really think pace, like I said, uh, paralysis by analysis, and uh, I think, you know, he, he got close with Trubisky, and, 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 and I think he let the emotional part get involved with him, and then he decided to make the pick instead of looking at Watson and Mahomes, especially Watson coming off, you know, uh, what is it, a national championship with, with Clemson. And, and he was a winner the whole time he was there, and Mahomes was the one that had all the natural ability. They just didn't know if he could really win. So... You know what I'm saying? That's what I, I think happened was a relationship was built with Trubisky. And that's when I think they were blinded to his shortcomings of what he could do. And they thought, well, he could potentially get developed here and there. And it just hasn't washed out like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it would be an interesting situation kind of. And then another team within that same division who's built relationships and kind of that love has developed. The Detroit Lions, there's conversation about them trading the number three pick so the teams can take Tua. I had in my mock drafts uh, them taking Jeff Okuda, keeping that number three pick and getting a cornerback to replace Darius Slay. And one one just trade possibility that I've heard is that Detroit would trade down with the New Orleans Saints and acquire their, the Saints first round draft pick a 2021 pick and Alvin Kamara and I know Detroit Lions fans probably aren't going to like to say this but Alvin Kamara would ruin his career if he went to Detroit running backs in Detroit don't work but I mean <laughs> running it, backs it's the anyway. curse of Barry Sanders that is true they haven't had you're right they, they haven't had a running back that has even been able to close to touching a candle to Barry Sanders, at least getting half of the production, at least. I, I have noticed that with them. That is odd. Yeah, I mean, like, they tried carry on Johnson, and he was, like, their most recent, like, like he finally got 1,000 yards, and then, like, everyone celebrated like they had won the Super Bowl. And then, but it's like, just think about running backs and just the way that that offense works. You're, I mean, you draft all these linemen, you're not getting a whole lot of production, you can kind of use him as a receiver, but then they try that with other running backs. They, like, you know, people remember in Detroit, they brought in Reggie Bush towards the tail end of his career to be that pass-catching running back. They brought in, you know, drafted guys like Amir Abdullah from Nebraska who were great in college as pass-catching running backs. Get to the Lions, and then people don't even know that Amir Abdullah was in the Lions. We're like, oh, yeah, he was there. I remember him. 
So it's just like, like I understand, you know, it's draft season two weeks away. You're trying to figure out what the best, the best deal that you can get. But this, this may be a situation of paralysis by analysis. You can either go Jeff Okuda, which is a need-only defensive end, or like we were talking about, do you try to get the heir apparent from Matt Stafford because now he's got he's injury prone. Yeah, and he's, he's older got, in his career and the broken back and everything. So, there, there's a few teams that are stuck in in a, in, a, in a spot. Some people are saying maybe they should draft Tua. And I said yeah, that, that could be a possibility, but I don't know. That might be pushing it. Yeah, like like I understand, like with the number three pick, you're not going to most likely get Burrow. I mean, in my draft, my mock draft, for our first one that I'm taking Joe Burrow just because he would drop. Right. But, but like, Washington's probably going to take defensive player. So there's some mock drafts that I'm taking Chase Young, which you need defensive line help if you're Detroit. But at the end of the day, just just don't overthink things. If, if I'm a Detroit Lions fan, I'm telling the, the ownership management group, like, just get the best available player, and if you can get a good deal – like, in theory, it sounds nice. Alvin Kamara, this great dynamic running back. You can get him and sign him to an extension. We've seen him be great. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's... Okay, he's your star running back. He's going to get... like. It's one thing being fast and dynamic in a dome where it's, you know, air-conditioned. <laughs> or You're heated. Like... <laughs> controlled, temperature-controlled. Like, granted, Minnesota's like that, and I, I guess Detroit, but try doing that thing in Green Bay. Try doing that in Chicago. Like, in the NFC South, it's past happy. We're running up 40, 50 points. It's fine because, you know, New Orleans Saints are beast. Yeah, it, it's either domed or it's it, it, it's warm. So, yeah, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, and worst-case scenario, you, you play in the rain. Right. Like, in Chicago – like we've seen with Chicago Bears running backs, like it's hard to run fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're Devin Hester, and that's. Yeah. But like it's it's hard to have those big dynamic performances. It's hard to do that in Green Bay when, you know, you're just trying to stay warm, much less be out there long enough to be productive in a dynamic way. So yeah, it's just in theory it works great, in Madden it works great, but in reality. You you don't you don't need a running back, Detroit. Like you have more important issues to attend to. Right, that is, that is totally true. Uh, with my Steelers, we're just kind of chugging along, not really doing anything that's like dynamic, crazy. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, you're still competitive, and you you're possibly getting Big Ben back as well. I mean, I think it might be the final go round for him, but I mean, for for what you guys went through, I think Tomlin did a heck of a job still keeping the ship afloat. Yeah, and there's, I mean, I'm not too happy about Big Ben being back just because, you know, we've, we've seen Big Ben. He has his moments of greatness, and he has his moments where all of Pittsburgh just wants to strangle him. Well, I, I think now that we're at the ages he's at, I would say if he's completely healthy, me and Big Ben are about the same age, I think he can have two good productive years if he's like Breeze and Brady. Now, within those two years, though, he better be trying to aim for a Super Bowl or a deep playoff run. I mean, it just what it is. But that, I think once he hits 40, obviously he's going to be deeply declined. So I hope he realizes he knows what it is, is that the hourglass is not on his side, obviously. Yeah, Eli Manning retired. I mean, it's him, yeah. Phillip. Yeah. And, and you and look where has- Phillip's going, too. So, I, you know, you're still with the same organization still. Um, they got a winning culture. You don't have to worry about that. They got rid of a lot of nonsense. They're there. For, they stuck with you. So I, I think he two more years. You know, this season and next season, he he really needs to put it in. Um, but other than that, I could see the Steelers. You know, eventually moving on from him. So that's what you got going for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be us in Baltimore, like it's been the last you know two decades. Baltimore's getting better, and we're getting better. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and finally the Ohio teams, the Browns are the Browns. I mean, doesn't matter. They're going to go six and ten anyways. Like I told y'all last year, I got excited for nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the Bengals, everyone is trying to figure out if Joe Burrow is actually going to pull in Eli Manning, if he's going to stay there, if he's going to be the whole time team. I still think 
quarterback is not your issue. It's management and ownership and literally everything else. But, hey, I mean, local kid, shout out to Athens. Maybe Vice, you know, the alma mater and hometown team, you know, hometown one day. Right. Like, I mean, that may be the only fans that they have that game, but because it's the Bengals. Right. But, yeah. Everything is looking like they're going to just take Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow is going to be like, "Well, yeah. It, it, yeah." I mean, I don't know what more you can say if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan because you're just you're used to this. No, kind of. <laughs> Who me? No, Cincinnati Bengals fans. I, I, I mean, I'm a little worried about Joe Burrow. I mean, I'm not saying that will he take him to the promised promised land, but. I don't think, to me, this is just me. This is just me. I don't think he's a quarterback that can overcome the poor culture in Cincinnati. That that's just me. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Cincinnati's been cheap, and Carson Palmer even said that. And look how talented Carson Palmer was. I mean, he was coming in there, and he was like, "We're going to do this. We're going to do that," and the organization just. Fell short, whether it be personnel or keeping some coaches around too long or not filling holes that needed to be filled and just, you know, missteps with judging talent. I don't know if Burrow can overcome that. You know, there's some quarterbacks that can overcome that stuff where they're just that dynamic and dominant of the game that the organization makes a mistake. You don't see it as much, but I don't know if Burrow's in that category and those quarterbacks are far and few between. Um, but. Yeah, I, I I don't know if it'll be a great fit for Cincinnati or a great fit for his career. I, I really yeah. think Burrow's one of those guys that, like, if he goes to New England, they keep, you know what I'm saying? Like, almost like almost with Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady's a great quarterback, the greatest of all time. Some people say maybe a great system quarterback. I kind of veer on that a little bit. I'm kind of in the middle. I think he's a great talent and everything like that. But at the same time, what a if Tom, Tom Brady, would he have had the same career if he was in Cincinnati? No. I don't think so either. I just don't yeah. think he would have had the, the, the talent and the competence around him to to, to really sustain anything. It just would have been something that just wasn't right. And, I mean, you got a genius with Bill Belichick, too. I mean, I think they both needed each other to win the Super Bowls and have that winning culture I think you need three things one you need competent ownership that has the foundation down for I know the culture is a buzzword but it is you have to have standards then you have the genius coach and then obviously you need a franchise quarterback get those three things you're always going to have you're going to have an ingredients of success but if you notice in most most football teams they don't really have that yeah, and that's kind of always been my thing, even kind of going back to last season with Joe Burrow. Like, I see him as primarily a system quarterback. It took the right co- it took a coordinator coming in that one year, the head coach, and then 9,000 fast wide receivers in Louisiana and running backs that are all going to go pro for him to have this one magical year. Like, it's that perfect conglomerate mixed all together. Because Joe Burrow, like, up to this point, like you, we talked about earlier in the show, like we weren't talking about him, like we didn't bring up his name because right. he was just, you know, middle of the road. And so that's that's honestly how I feel about him. You know, he's probably going to go number one overall, and he's going to go to Cincinnati. But I just think he's like he needs the right pieces around him for him to be successful. Like he needs to be in that perfect situation. It's kind of like kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like he needs he needs to have his guys both on the field. And in his head, in his headset, mm-hmm. for him to be well, because like him by himself, like because mm. similar to Jared Goff, and we saw in the Super Bowl, headset goes off. Jared Goff doesn't know what to bleep to do, because New England just granted it's Bill Belichick messing with his mind, but like he didn't know what to do in that Super Bowl right. because like like he had the pieces around him and he had the mastermind in his headset and Sean McVay, but. When, when it's time to snap the ball. So, I imagine there's going to be a lot of that for Joe Burrow. I wish him the best. But, yeah, you're going to – it's rough in Cincinnati, man. Like golf. 
I mean, golf was with Fisher his first year, and everyone was thinking he was a bust. Oh, he's a bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. McVay takes over, and next thing you know, they're talking about he's one of the top quarterbacks, and he makes a Super Bowl appearance last season. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's just crazy how sometimes the fit with the right coach and the right organization does for, for, for players. Yeah, and now you look at a situation like golf where now he lost Gurley and he lost Cooks, and now it's like, well, that, that ended quickly. Right. But, yeah, like life, ha- life hits you fast. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see just kind of how Bengals fans – because, you know, it's going to be that hype. It's going to be they're going to prop him up as the hometown hero, the, well, the state state hero kind of kind of grow one of their own, one of those Ohio born and bred, you know. But, yeah, it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see that first Bengals-Browns game. How many, how many Browns fans are going to be like, yeah, he, you know, he's one of us. He's an Ohio kid. Let's move for him. But, yeah. But yeah, that's news and notes. I mean, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. I guess that that's the thing. We'll see how that worked out. Works out. Uh, Patriots just doing Patriots things. I'm sure they have. They'll find someone in the fifth round, and he'll be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Because mm-hmm. that's just what New England does. Right. Well, I mean, uh, the last news and notes, I guess, is the XFL. Is I guess that is because of the Corona. It's like on hold. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, we were talking about it in kind of a group chat earlier. But, yeah, it's inevitable. All these other leagues are shutting down. So it was just a matter of time before the XFL got caught of it now because, I mean. Well, the, well, the thing about it is I hate to say it. It was bad. It was just bad. No plans for 2021 at all. I, I, I it wasn't good football. I mean, I understand you want, you wanted you, you're a junkie and you, you wanted this, you know, to have the football and everything. But David, admit it. It was bad football. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was uh, bad football. I mean, to be fair, Aaron Murray did not do himself well to like the University of Georgia alumni because he played like crap. Like, I'll give you that. Like, Aaron Murray, the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Vipers, former University of Georgia star quarterback. Like he, like he should just stay retired because now people are like. Fan, what happened? Like, who monstered stole your talent? But yeah, there there were some there were some games that weren't as better than others. But there are some teams, there's some limelights, like the Houston Roughnecks. Like, like they were a prolific offense. They were kind of like quote unquote, I guess, Kansas City Chiefs of the XFL. Just you couldn't really slow down their offense, and if you did, they just came back and still found ways to score and beat you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had, you had some storylines. We saw some of those. Familiar names and faces and places, but yeah, like obviously, yeah, like I'm the football guy, so like for like the casual fan, I can understand if it's not didn't have the same appeal as like the NFL mm-hmm. because you know that's that's what you're used to, that's what we all grew up accustomed, and it's this new thing that honestly, if you're like my age, yes, you remember the original XFL, but like if you're this current generation, like if you're a college student right now. If you're 18 years old, you don't remember the XFL because it w- it disbanded like when you were born. Like so, you have no recollection. So there isn't that nostalgia attachment to it in the same ways of like NFL week after week, you know, growing up watching it. So so it makes sense. And since like you know the Corona is knocking everybody out, it was inevitable. And maybe we'll see a reincarnation. Probably not, but mm-hmm. yeah. Billionaires want to spend money. Do you want spring football? There'll, there'll be some kind of solution. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it it, it wasn't it, it wasn't very <laughs> I hate to say it, it wasn't good. It, it, I watched it a little bit and and we've talked about it here on this show before that the only way that you're going to uh, it, it, the only way that it, it, it's gonna, ha- it, you got to get the casual fans to buy in. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it has yeah. to. You, you, you have to. The diehards are always gonna watch. It's just like with the G League. I'm gonna go and tune into the G League, but if it's gonna really make an impact and people want to, to watch, you got to get casual fans like you and Frank to possibly start watching it. 
And that's just it's just not going to happen. And that's what I think happened with the XFL. And I, I think it's a good sign, though, too. Um, like I said, it, it, it just, you know, at first they canceled the season because obviously because of the COVID. And then they said they're going to have it on hold and suspended. Now, basically, they're going to probably not even come back. Um, they put a lot of money into this, but uh, it's, it's just it's just not going to happen. I mean, I, let's, let's be honest. People, football is it's the one sport where there's a, one, there's a loyalty, but it everyone wants the best. I think other sports, minor league baseball, minor league hockey, minor league basketball get a pass people it's enjoyable to watch they'll watch it um minor league football is not going to work i think minor league the only way minor league football would work it's not on a national scale like think about it. you don't watch the two little mud hens every weekend on abc do you hey the people that go to two little mud hens games don't even know who half the players are they're going there for just the experience to go see go to the ballpark and see the sight lines of downtown toledo and just catch a good ball game and some fresh air. That's it. I mean, now unless, you know, a big-time Major League Baseball star gets pulled down from rehab, you know, they'll they'll go watch. But other than that, David, it, it it's just it's just not going to work. It's minor league football. It's not the pros' pros. And it, it, as you've seen down the years, this, this formula happens where you can't have two pro leagues. You just can't. The AFL-NFL had to merge. The ABA and the NBA had to merge. Come on. The NHL, yeah. they are what they are. Major League Baseball is what there is. It's just you can't have two pro leagues because, one, first of all, a lot of people will even tell you, even in the one major professional league, they think it's watered down with too many teams. So what do you think is going to happen when you just try to get another league going? Yeah. Yeah, and I think kind of to that point, I think kind of looking at some of the other sports, like it's they're established, like the minor league systems, like the minor league hockey system, like those farm teams have been established for you know years. Right. Like the like the G League, like they've been around a while. Like people aren't as familiar with it, but it's been around. Minor league baseball, like that's that's always been a thing. Like I think for for football, we've always thought of college football as that minor league system, whereas kind of college basketball isn't thought of as minor league basketball or college baseball aren't think of isn't thought of as minor league so in the same way so it's kind of it's kind of an interesting dynamic when we think of kind of football it's usually it's high school if you want to do your minor leagues then you go to you know college for three years right and then you go to the pros or you sit out or whatever usually right no sit out so yeah it's that it's also that interesting wrinkle in that as well just kind of with the minor league but yeah it's it's hard to do a professional football because the NFL is always going to be king, just like, well, it's kind of different because it's an entirely different entity when people know that G League, like NBA is still king. I mean, I guess you can kind of, you know, do like international leagues, but that's still not the same. Like, that's a whole nother kind of wrangle and wrinkle. So, yeah, there really isn't a minor league football system that's possible where you can kind of like, oh, we're going to call up. Like so and so from the you know, like and even arena the arena football league like they just recently kind of shut operations down because it's like it's football but it's like football light and then there's different rules and that tried to compete but yeah like how many people have talked about arena football in a while so yeah. No, like I said, and then you got all, you got arena football as well. I mean, like I said, I I, I goodbye. I, unfortunately, XFL. It was a nice run. I hope McMahon just gives it a rest and says, you know what, you tried, you gave it the old go, but it just wasn't going to work. Like I said, I watched a few games and I I couldn't I couldn't watch it. It was just like this is this is bad. I think the first time around it was somewhat entertaining. Had a little bit of a storyline. It was still at the end, though. It got a little hokey where they were trying to put more WWE into it. But like I said, you can only do so much when the on-field product is pretty bad. And it was, you know, trying to listen into the headsets. You know, you can only put so many gimmicks 
into it. And it's kind of like the old ABA. The, the ABA was kind of the same way. Even though it was pretty decent basketball, there were some teams that were bad, and the owners were doing any type of gimmicks just to get the fans in the stands. And then it was just like, after a while, it's like, how many gimmicks are you going to do to try to for this to work? And I, I think that's the path the XFL was going. Yeah, and then they tried to, like, like there were some conversations, like, at the start, like, this is going to be a test run. So, like, the Sky Cam that we saw a little bit in Thursday Night Football, that was going to be more modified. Like, the the coaches and the headsets, they're trying to experiment that and use that as a test run for future NFL stuff. And then especially, like, the kickoff rules yes. was, was, like, their biggest kind of experimentation. And, like, to an extent, it looked great. I mean, like, as someone who, like, has followed and watched football, it just kind of felt weird always just because it wasn't, like, running down the field and, like, those big hits and everything. But, you know, concussions and, like, kind of public safety. So, yeah, it's, it was an interesting kind of testing ground. Maybe we'll see some of that implemented in preseason if there is preseason football, just to kind of see how it works on kind of the quote-unquote grand stage. But, yeah, it was an experiment, unfortunately. Unfortunately, quick failure, but yeah, the coronavirus is currently undefeated right now. Undefeated, never lost. I'll pay the royalty fines for that. I mean, I guess the <laughs> thing about it is it was already set up to be NFL's minor league. They're trying all these camera angles and all these rules. It, it just was destined not to be anything like that, and I think they tried to kind of push it to be – on the same level as the NFL, but in actuality, it was always going to be a step below it, and you're just not going to generate enough, you know, firepower for it, you know, making it opposite and thinking that the fans are going to watch. But, you know, like I said, you need star power and you need a good product on the field, and I, I just don't think they had that. But we'll uh, move on from those subjects. We did a, a good wrap-up, almost 50, over 50 minutes of content we had here, but we're going to have to move on to our next uh, segment about uh, – how the coronavirus has affected college athletics and granting eligibility for spring athletes and winter athletes. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. What, so the spring athletes. Nah, have stop, some, David. We're going to take a commercial break and then we're going to go into yeah. the next segment. Yep. I was just going to set up a little teaser. All right. Go, go ahead. Little teaser. So spring, spring athletes get the full go, but winter gets axed. Is that fair? But I guess not no, nothing's really fair when it comes to collegiate sports and the multi-billion-dollar empire known as the NCAA. Well, some schools are letting spring sports get the waiver. Not all. Now that's a tease. <laughs> that is a tease. That's You're right. a professional. You should do a radio show sometime. <laughs> right. Well, good job with David doing our uh, NFL slash XFL uh, report. You can always listen to us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, WXUT's After Further Review on their apps, or go to their website. So, like I said, you can listen to us on your phone, or we're also on 88.3 WXUT, 11 to 1, whenever we're allowed to get back in the studio. We'll take a quick commercial break. When we return, we'll talk about eligibility for the senior athletes in spring sports, and it, was it right for them to not grant it for winter sports? That and more here on 88.3 WXUT's After Further Review. We'll be back after this. Friends are back for Monday night. 